How do I start these things off again? <laughs> I hope with some Christmas music. The Dauber Christmas music. Well, no, that, yeah, he'll do that. La, 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 la. the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Claire. Welcome once again, my friends, my Liberty friends, to another edition of the Lions of Liberty podcast and our second, yes, our second holiday special. That means I've survived another year of doing this podcast. Of course, this special edition is brought to you by our popular feature, the Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor. And we're gonna get right to him and bring him right in. I've got some of my favorite, uh, some of my favorite libertarian friends and libertarian-ish friends and Lions of Liberty associates. So uh, we'll get to them in a second. We're gonna start off with um, a steady contributor on this, on this, uh, on these shows we do here in the Lions of Liberty studios. Once again, with me is Mr. Brian Williams. Hello, ho, 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 and happy holidays to all. And uh, we don't want to forget the most important thing, since this is a Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor production, and, and we are drinking the same thing here. So, Brian, I'll let you answer for both of us. Yeah. Uh, what delicious beverage are we drinking here? Well, uh, it just happens that uh, my birthday was yesterday, the day before recording this podcast. Happy, happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Brian. And Mark was so kind as to give me a nice bottle of Noah's Mill Genuine Bourbon Whiskey, handmade in the hills of Kentucky. All right. Which means the hands that made this whiskey probably also run someone's sister. And they may probably or may not be Rand Paul supporters. We're not sure. We'll get to him later. Fact. So it's uh, it's fantastic, though. It's and really I will attest that it's smooth. quite delicious. And you may think I'm kind for getting that for you, or it was maybe just a plot to have something to drink that I. That's didn't true. Have to it might have been self-serving. Now today. that I think about it. Yeah. So this is actually working perfectly. We will now jet across the country, all the way to that state of Virginia. He's back on the show, folks. Howie Snowden. Hey, good, good to be back. And Mr. Snowden, what exactly are you sipping on over there in the right. hills of Virginia? I assume you live literally in the hills. I do. Um, I'm drinking a. <laughs> A local beer called Rhino Chasers, made by the Lost Rhino Brewing Company here in Ashburn, Virginia. All right. That sounds terrifying. Sounds like a potential sponsor. <laughs> yeah. Hit those guys up. Delicious. Okay. Uh, that sounds sounds like we're all on the right like track it's here. It's a beer made for people that like uh, big-bodied women. <laughs> you know, we're not going to go down that path uh, just <laughs> yet. Say, not, Rhino maybe, Chaser. In, maybe in the second half of the show. No reason to bring up old stuff, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, yeah, we go way back. We might get into some stories later on, but most likely not if I can uh, if I can avoid it. Moving along, we're actually going to bring in a new entrant to this little drinking libertarian fest we do here. Uh, he's a man of many names, but today he's only going to go by one name, and it's simply Rico from New York City, not where he lives, but where he's he. I believe he flew there specifically to do this show from a better place than his home city of Cleveland. Is that right, Rico? Welcome to the show. Absolutely correct, Mark. Thank you very much. <laughs> And I, I heard he's in a terrific hotel drinking. What are you? What are you drinking over there? There's only one drink to drink during the holiday season: eggnog. Eggnog. All right. Nice. Very nice. What is that eggnog spiked with? I just want to really paint the picture here. Is it using brandy, or do you have some uh, whiskey? I like to use whiskey myself. But. A little well bourbon from the hotel bar. Well bourbon. Nice. It's Great. quite that mini fridge, buddy. Quite the story we're crafting here. All right, and we're gonna move on to another stalwart of the show. Coming back for, um, I don't know, what is this, like your 7th, 8th? I don't even know. John Odermatt, affectionately known as Odie, welcome back to the Lions of Liberty podcast. 
It is great to be back, as always, Mark. And that was not canned that time. That no, canned. that wasn't. Not like your very canned uh, intro last time. I'm, I'm glad to see you're just letting it flow and letting, letting things come out naturally. Uh, and, and speaking of that, uh, what are you drinking? Yeah, so I was uh, I went to the beer distributor after work today, and something caught my eye. It's called uh, it's brewed by Evil Genius Beer Company, and it's called Naughty or Nice Winter Warmer Ale, brewed with spices. So you know it's good. But <laughs> <laughs> what kind of spices? I don't, I don't know. They, they don't go into detail. Right. But it's brewed up in uh, your old neck of the woods, up in uh, Bloomfield, Connecticut. So I don't know if you know where that oh, is. All right. but I, I know of it. It's like they got their uh, motto from Gold Crown Beer, which was brewed the natural, costlier way, if you remember that. <laughs> did it say costlier? Then why did it cost $4 a case? That was like our favorite, well, not our favorite beer in college, our favorite beer to throw parties with for other people to drink that was the cheapest beer you could possibly buy. Our tastes have refined a little bit since those times, I like to think. At least some of us. Now, it's funny, Odie, while your introduction might not have been canned, I feel like your choice of beer might have been somewhat canned because it's the perfect segue into... The segment we're going to do for pretty much the rest of the show, and that is our naughty or nice segment. And Odie, was that pre-planned at all, or is it just a coincidence? Ah, uh, it was totally planned. Okay, good. Okay, <laughs> well, at least someone planned for the show because I sure as hell haven't. Uh, as fans of the show, pants. no, he's not. As fans of the show may know, there is no script on these shows. On our little libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor, or libertarians in hotel rooms drinking liquor, in Rico's case. Um, so we just kind of uh, we just kind of talk for an hour or so, and we drink. And uh, that's it. And then someone's cracking a beer open over there, so things are going according to plan so far. And since it is the holidays, this is our holiday special. Much like we did last year, you can go back to the archives, lionsofliberty.com slash podcast to listen to last year's special. And, um, you know, you don't just take my word for it. We've done this before. It is the naughty or nice segment, and we're going to go down a list of names. All right, I did prepare a little bit. I have a list of names. That's preparation. But I haven't done any research into them. I barely know who these people are. We're going to go down a list of names and just go around the – well, not around the room. We're not in a room. We're all in rooms, but different rooms. Anyway, uh, we're going to go around to everyone individually or not individually. Maybe we'll talk over each other. I think that's that's probably more likely. And just get our thoughts and decide if this person deserves a Lions of Liberty naughty or – Lions of Liberty, nice. And we're going to start off with the guy we have probably talked about on this show more than any other single individual human being. And that would be, want to get him out of the way, because we don't need to do a whole show on this fellow, a fellow named Rand Paul. So why don't we start off with the man to my left, Brian McWilliams. Does Rand Paul get a naughty or a nice for 2014? Rand Paul empirically has to get a nice. Empirically. Uh, empirically. Big word. If you look at all of the data, you'll have the scientific uh, knowledge on Rand Paul. Do you he, have any charts nice. or graphs to back that up? Now, here's a chart right here. I do, although we're, this is a podcast. I feel they'd all probably be completely useless. Well, show notes. But if you look behind me, you'll see. No, no. No, he's, he's nice. I mean, look, I know he recently declared war on ISIS, and we did a little thing on it. Uh, that... It's, you know, kind of one of those things you're like, what, declaring war? Rand, what are you thinking? What are you doing? How could you? But it makes sense in a way, you know, because he's at least saying, uh, if you're going to do it, do it the right way. You know, no more presidential power where they're just going overseas and, you know, we're bombing anybody we want. And don't worry, it's under my executive authority. Like, everything seems to be these days. 
Uh, he's saying it's got to go through Congress, so I give Randerton a nice. Do you think he was doing that Ron Paul thing where Ron Paul brought up a resolution to go to war against Iraq back in the day, and really he just did that to get a record vote of people that were going to send troops to you know, into Iraq without even an actual vote on a war? So do you think it's that kind of thing? Because I think in that case Ron Paul was saying, well, but I'm not going to vote against this bill, whereas I'm not sure if Rand was going to vote against his bill or, or what. Yeah, I think Rand's voting for his bill. I mean, it's, exactly. it plays into two parties. It's, he's playing into the obviously the neocon kind of thing of like ah oh, we need to protect this house you know like freddie fingers in uh what <laughs> is he ray lewis now <laughs> balls of fury i don't know why i referenced that anyway yeah or ray, or ray lewis but without the stabbing and uh you or, know he's or just, with the stabbing the neocons are, are appealing to that they say okay he's, he's trying to, to protect our borders and keep us safe from terrorists and he's also playing to his libertarian base that says hey you know have you make a declaration of war at the very least if you're going to continue this quote-unquote war on terror that does nothing but foster more terrorism. All right. Uh, Howie, what do you think about our boy Rand? Well, you know, despite all his faults that have been well-documented by the Lions of Liberty, if anybody in the United States Senate is getting on the nice list, it's it's Rand. And I've been recently particularly – I've loved seeing his tweets at Marco Rubio talking about the Cuba issue, how – Rubio is being an isolationist, and it's nice. I think this will maybe get the point to people that just because you don't want to go to war with other countries doesn't make you an isolationist, that talking, trading, those are other options that, for some reason, a lot of Republicans are against in the case of Cuba. Um, but besides that, I mean, with Rand, this year we've had – I know he's spoken up for D.C.'s right to decriminalize marijuana. He's um, – what else has he done? <laughs> he's done some things. I don't know what. <laughs> I don't do research. I'm just a host. I'm just teeing you guys up. But I'm sure he's done some other nice things. So you're giving him a nice definitively, though, right? That's right. All right. Let's see if we can get any contrarian viewpoints here. I know we'll probably get one in a minute. But let's let's try Rico first. Your first real contribution to this podcast, besides the whole uh, eggnog situation, let's hear what you think about Rand Paul. I feel like I'm the biggest Rand Paul fan here. And All right. Uh, really? Judging by previous email exchanges we've had, and I would say nice this year. I love him trolling Rubio. I found it hilarious that uh, the National Review, which I consider to be a neocon rag, is ripping him. I don't know if anyone has seen that. They say, Rand Paul is no conservative. He's a quack. Okay, so clearly they're against him on this whole Cuba thing. They're saying he has uh, no idea about foreign policy, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't know what he's doing. And I will go against them. I don't see any reason why there's no, or there weren't relations with Cuba for 50 years. I don't think it accomplished anything at all. Um, So for that and for all the other reasons already stated, I'll say nice this year. All right. That's, that's, Three nices so far for Rand Paul. He's really racking them up today. I blanked before. I felt like Rick Perry for a second. But um, <laughs> one of the other big things I thought Rand Paul did was coming out against, you know, the excessive police violence and uh, the mobilization of the police and all that. But uh, that's another big thing for him. Well, yeah, he was one of the only – I mean, he guys took a lot of flack for it. He came on and has been saying, well, yeah, I mean, if you're going to have all these laws for things like taxing cigarettes high like, and you're going to create – all these situations where police are going to get into encounters with people and, and you're, you know, they're creating the situation basically where people like Eric Garner, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but where these incidents happen and the more people that support laws like that, that are basically 
man-made laws. They're not defending natural rights. They're just basically just made-up rules that they're forcing upon people. So, and, and he took a lot of flack for that, even from other libertarians, and I thought he was right on the money um, with that one. So, yeah, I think that's a worthy statement to point out from Rand, especially when for so long it seemed like he was so kind of on the fence with a lot of things or really not saying things that I think a lot of libertarians would like. But, I mean, to me, that's one of them. That's, I mean, that's a big one right there. That's an, a very obvious, like, yeah, of course, we have all these laws. You're going to, you, how do you think the law is enforced? It's by force. I think that's an offshoot of uh, his dad's kind of blowback doctrine when he argued with Giuliani in those debates, however, many years ago, where he said, you know, this is your foreign policy. This is what happens as a result of it. And it's a similar type of thing here. If you're going to have these stupid laws at home that have to be enforced or are enforced, regardless of whether they should be, you know, there, there's going to be some sort of blowback here. So uh, I think walking in the uh, footsteps of the old man on that one. All right. John Odermatt, give us some thoughts about Rand. Is this going to be another nice or do we have a, a finally a critic here? Well, as as you guys know, I mean, I'm pretty tough on Rand and email chains and articles and on right on this podcast here. I've, you know, I haven't given him that much slack. I've been tough on him. But I think the closer we get to the election, I'm starting to see all these other creeps and neocons come out with their illogical stance on the Cuban embargo and not being clear about the uh, the, the Eric Garner death and, you know, supporting the uh, non-indictment there. And Rand, Rand's response to that, as you guys have stated, was, I mean, pretty much spot on with attacking the laws. You know, it's I'm, I'm not saying I'm going to vote for him. I don't. Maybe I will. But um, I got to give Rand Paul a nice. You know, it's just when you compare him with who he'll probably eventually be running against, the Rubios, the Ted Cruz's, the Jeb Bush's, the Lindsey Graham's, God, I hope not. He's he's the best. So in that respect, I got to give him a nice for the year. Well, 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 it is really looking good for Rand here, the holiday special. He's got four nices, and I got to say I'm really torn right now because I was expecting or thinking that one of you guys were going to really rip into this guy and allow me to vote for him <laughs> for a nice, even though I've been one of his biggest critics forever, uh, for at least the last year or two, uh, since he's been playing, kind of playing more politics in a lot of ways, and I don't like a lot of things he does. I shouldn't say I don't like a lot of things he does. I don't like some things he does. Really, just the foreign policy thing. And at the end of the day, he tends to support not going to war for this or that. He did have the war, you know, against ISIS declaration thing. But, I mean, he described, at least on his appearance on Bill Maher, about how that was more just about protecting embassies and that kind of thing. And I don't know. I mean, I'm against it. But it's not – I mean, I think he's kind of doing it to – try to say like if we're gonna do this and you're already and this is a point where they're already sending troops and weapons and stuff over there so i think he in a way maybe he's just trying to contain it the war and say it can only be for these specific defensive reasons whereas right now it's just open-ended because there's not an actual war declared so on that one i don't want to say i give him a pass but i can kind of see where he's coming from i just got to stick to what i think and i have to also give him a nice this year and i feel like we're being way too easy on him today because because we're usually the hardest people on him out there some of the hardest people on him but uh the fact is maybe it is it's the fact that all these creeps are coming out of the woodwork right now and maybe because we've been focusing so much on rand and um trying to look at him from a libertarian philosopher's perspective which is how i try to look at things but if we're judging him against the other people running for president or the other people in congress I mean, it's really not close at all. I mean, he is clearly the best guy out there, and he's done a lot of good things, and he's definitely won me over even more recently with his comments about on Ferguson, about police militarization, about the root causes of this stuff. 
and his comments on Cuba. I mean, he's totally breaking rank with Republicans on that. So, and that's, you know, that's an issue near and dear to me. So I will also, as much as I really don't want to do it, I'm going to give Rand the clean sweep of Nices, which I believe he did not have last year. Hey, it's all right, Mark. It's, it's the holidays. So it's-, it's the holidays. Exactly. Last year, I didn't care that it was the holidays. I think that's, that's the Edward Snowden ranking. I think Snowden was the only one to get all nice last year. Maybe. Wow, that's really yeah, impressive. You might be right. Well, yeah, I think we're all being swayed a little bit by the election coming up. And it's people running. Like I said. I mean, we're falling for the fever. The Jebster. I, gee, I just wrote about the Jebster the other day coming out. And he somehow, even though he just is like, oh, I think I might do it. And they did a poll, of course. And he's the guy that's leading now. The GOP presidential nomination Ugh. poll. I mean, do people literally not have memories? I, I guess not. It's just like, they're like, did you say Bush? And then they just fall in love. With it. I have no evidence, but I do not believe these polls. I mean, even just like the timing. Didn't he just come out and announce he's thinking about running like the same day? We're like, oh, right. we got this poll. You're the... You're in the lead if you do. Come on, buddy. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe they <laughs> Oh, well, it turns out we just did this poll. Great that you would think that. Okay. I mean, also, rec- anything recency, people are probably, if they did it the day after, people are like, oh, Jeb Bush is running. Oh, Jeb Bush then. Which kind of, I mean, like, look, the guy actually has done some things that are kind of good. Uh, I'd written, you know, again, I wrote about this a few days ago, and some of the stuff was, it was pretty interesting. He made some positive moves. He cut a lot of budget really reined in the state's budget and the size of government in his state, which was, you know, hey, good job, man. That's better than a lot of people do. But at the same time, he also had this, you know, Terry's Law thing with Terry Schiavo, and that was infringing on rights and got you know, knocked down as unconstitutional, which ain't never good. So Plus there's a whole Common Core thing, but, you know. Is he a Common Core guy, too? Oh, he's, yeah, he's, he's, the, he's the biggest that. Common Core guy. Oh, no. Well, then and, strike him from the list. And, and that's the guy that these that these Republicans want to run, the, the yeah. Common Core, like, supporter. Hey, that's, another that's, thing that's that he has in common. Another GOP died in the world candidate that has a common thing with uh, a lot of the liberals. Just like Obama's a big Common Core guy, now Jeb Bush. All, all horrible. I have a little cousin who's just learning math now, and her mom was trying to tell me, like, the way they're teaching. Because I, I haven't... I didn't know it's specifically Common Core. It just sounds ridiculous. It's it makes no sense to me at all. I don't know how anyone is, could support that, especially a Republican. Someone who's for small government, let communities decide. You know how they want to educate their kids. This it's nonsense. We're moving on to one that yeah, might be another might be another clean sweep, but I don't know. We'll see. That is El Presidente himself, Mr. Barack Obama. Oh, Brian, I know you're Barack's uh, number one fan. So why don't we start off with you? Uh, what's I, I, uh, these are all the these are just all the cut and dry, man. This is a obviously yeah. Well, we got to lay the groundwork, and then we'll get into the more controversial God, stuff. Yeah, Obama is just everything about him is the worst. It's, it's like starting and worst. I can't even. I, I don't. I pass. Naughty. I'm done. You pass? No, you. Well, I'm not going to pass. But saying it's <laughs> naughty. I mean, there's so much. I don't even know where to begin. My all God, right. it's like unraveling a ball of yarn. You know where do, where do you... moving along, Howard? What's Obama doing for you these days? <sighs> well. I am certainly not an Obama fan, but I think maybe after this last uh, midterm elections where Democrats got crushed, he's he's like, you know what, I'm just going to do my own thing. And recently, you know, I, I like what he's doing with Cuba. I uh, I like him calling out Sony and uh, pretty much, you know. Hold on, just real quick. By the way, the president's job, I called out Sony too, but the president should not be calling out Sony. The president right, should right, shut but, the hell up. He doesn't need to be telling Sony what to do as a private I mean, entity no, no, or commenting in general. He can Sony. express an opinion. Uh, if you were president, you would express an opinion. I would, but I'm not president, go. and for good reason, as well, I drink the rest of this I, bourbon. We all agree on that one. 
it's obviously Sony's fault. I mean, they have been under cyber attack many times before. And if they haven't put the money in, I, from what I heard recently, I mean, I don't know if this is fact, but I heard they had about 10 Probably people not, working but... cybersecurity, six of which were managers. Did you read that on the internet? I don't know. Maybe Reddit. (laughs) (laughs) What do you read off the internet nowadays? I know, that's a good point. (laughs) Somebody mailed Howie a letter. Dear Howie, I recently heard you were discussing... There's something you should know, and I want you to bring it up on the next Lines of Liberty podcast. (laughs) So is that... that, Am I hearing a possible... You know what? I'm going to... I like how he's starting off the new year. I'm going to... Or, you mean ending the old year? <laughs> I'm going to give him a pass this time. I mean, I'm against everything he's done this whole, this whole presidential term, but I don't know. Maybe we'll see Maybe we'll see some things go better. I mean, they, the federal government's going to stop trying to bust uh, medical marijuana. Um, so they say. Hey, I'm in the generous ho- holiday mood. You're, you're not talking me out of this. I'm going to put him on the nice all list. All right, that's a nice for Obama. Look at wow. that. Wow. All right, well, hey. Upset of the year. Wow, all right. <laughs> So what's your opinion there, Rico, if it's such an upset? Definitely naughty. It's not even close. He started off after the midterm election saying, okay, the will of the people is not that he was repudiated, but uh, he spun it so that they want them to work together. That, that's what he said right away. And then what does he go and do? He issues an executive order on immigration immediately. Right. He said, oh, we've had all this time to to uh, work it out, blah, blah, blah. Well. You know, nothing ever. All of a sudden, as soon as the Republicans have both houses, they have to he has to issue an executive order right away. He didn't give any time to have any kind of uh, bipartisan resolution on that issue with the Republicans in the Senate and uh, House having the majority. He gave no time to that. I did like Cuba, but that doesn't make up for everything else. Mr. Uh, Transparency in the office, he issues more what they call presidential memorandum, which is basically an executive order that doesn't have to be published in the federal register like the executive orders do. So he's issuing executive orders basically in secret, but they have all the same uh, uh, force that an executive order does. So he he's once again being a little bit shady about what he's actually doing in office. So Big naughty for Mr. Obama. I didn't even know about the presidential memorandum. That is that is fascinating to me. I, I didn't know about it, to be honest. Good job, Rico. Thank you for being on the podcast. I knew we brought him on for something. You know what, Rico? Thanks for bringing up the transparency thing. You're right. I, I changed my vote. Naughty list. Oh, he got oh, taken away. Wow. There, there's not enough holiday cheer to whitewash. Is that allowed? The lack of transparency. He went back in the voting booth. He yanked out of his transcript. Well, I'm glad I changed your mind back to the uh, forces of good. One man, one vote. All right. Odie, how do you feel about the president this year? Oh, man. I've, I've given up completely on Barack Obama. But, scotch. <laughs> so, I mean, something interesting that I just thought of now, and probably other people have thought of it, but, I mean, obviously it's it's wrong what supposedly North Korea did, hacking Sony and exposing all their secrets, but, I mean, what's the only difference between what they've done, supposedly, allegedly, and what the NSA has been doing for how many years? They just, the NSA just hasn't released the emails. They have all the emails of everybody pretty much in the United well, States. There's a, there's a big difference in that if North Korea is in fact responsible for this and they're telling people not to go to the movie theaters, I, I don't know that the NSA has threatened uh, mass murder if 
citizens of another country exercise their constitutional rights. So to me, that that's close to an act of war. If in fact the actual, you know, emails, it's a big difference between that and, and telling people not to go see the movie or, or they'll blow up the theater. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, they've, yeah, they've used it, um, as, as blackmail really, but, uh, you I mean, know, the NSA could could be using emails without, uh, you know, behind people's back without making it public. I I have no way of knowing. I mean, the fact that they're collecting the emails in itself is is terrible. But yeah, you're you're right. North Korea's or allegedly North Korea's use. I, I don't know if, if they really. I mean, can North Korea really hack? You know, the that's what like I was Sony? saying. It's like what what are they? They wrapped a raccoon in tin foil and just plugged it into the wall, and they're like, ah, hack ya! Like what the hell? I have in a North Korean Starbucks. Yeah. Although a, a, a friend of mine though made the argument that is there really a raccoon that hasn't been eaten in North Korea yet? All right. All right. Here's what we're going to do. Because we are kind of getting onto this Sony, you know, issue a little bit, we're going to go out of order a little bit. We're going to wrap up Obama. I'm assuming you're giving him an naughty Naughty. Yep. All right. I'm going to be the effing contrarian. Because you know you gotta we gotta do judge everyone on scales. Last year I gave Rand Paul a naughty because I was judging him on the scale of libertarian philosopher, and I gave him a naughty because I didn't think he was doing well on that scale. And I gave him a nice this year because I I'm now this year I'm relating him to all the other creeps and the neocons coming out of the woodwork, and I'm gonna judge Obama on that same scale, and I'm gonna give Obama a nice. No, he's not nice overall, and he is bad for all the reasons everyone else mentioned. But compared to all these other guys, including the other Democrats that are out there, I really like a lot of the things he's been doing, and I think that there is something to be said for the fact that he's basically a lame duck now. The uh, midterms are over. Um, he just has to ride out the next two years, and it seems like when that happened, he's kind of finally doing some good things. And maybe, he'll, I mean, I well, Odie, I know you recently wrote about that he signed a law that would prevent the closure of Gitmo, so that's not going to yeah. be that's not going to be one of them. But uh, I believe we have seen some of those people released at least recently. Um, he's also opened up the thing with Cuba, which I'm a huge fan of. The federal war on marijuana is finally winding down. So just because it's a holiday spirit, However, wait, and because wait. I want to be a contrarian, I'm going to drop him a nice and let Brian rant about that. Ah, you make me so mad! I know, that's my whole goal. <laughs> Linus, I just, I understand. It's, it's a, saying. it's a Linus, relative nice. Yeah, I know it's actual. a relative nice, but I mean, come on, he's still it, the amnesty. He, the executive order on the amnesty. Nah, he's also signed that, a bill in, in DC. After DC, the people, the people who are supposed to have a voice in this country, and the people that are actually supposed to vote and have their voice be heard, they voted in to decriminalize marijuana and make and make it. Pretty much just like, you know, admin, whatever, 15, Well, that's Congress that was trying to, to battle that, isn't it? That's a whole big problem with the system. The way they do those spending bills, they used to fund everything separately, but now they lump it all together and wait till the last minute. So like, well, we, we've got to pass it right. because we have to fund this and that. And, oh, well, he's got to sign it, even though there's all this stuff in there that he may not like. But the system's got to change where it's all lumped together, last minute. This stuff will never end if if they keep doing it like that. Well, I'm just saying he's he's complicit and he's he's the president. It, it, it passed the spending bill passed, and now marijuana is illegal in D.C. No matter what the people say, which is insane and ridiculous. And I don't know. I just I feel like the body of work is still even if you. Even well, I'm not going to brain the president for what Congress passed. I mean, why can't he? Why can't they pass? 10,000 spending bills, and he can sign 10,000. What else do you have to do? Well, why can't he executive order and say uh, it's legal now? He seems to be able to do that with anything else. So Well, he doesn't want to be the, the pot president. He wants to, like, whatever. Anyway, I'm giving him a nice just to, only to make Brian angry, and it's working great. It did. So, 
I have Sony on the list. Let's just do a quick go around on Sony. Brian, go. All right. As you may have read in my article written earlier this week about Sony, or last week. All right. Two weeks ago. Whenever <laughs> this actually published. It was, uh, yeah, it was last week. Anyway, so Sony, incredibly naughty. I, I just, I, I find this whole thing just cowardly and despicable, not only from the point of just forward precedent, because not only is this Sony kowtowing to a threat, which, by the way, is ridiculous and never going to come true, ever. If we fear, really, we're fearing North Korea, what are they going to do? It's ridiculous. So they kowtow to North Korea, these, these terroristic threats, and then they pull it from the theaters, and not only do they pull it from, from the theaters that refuse to show it, which I understand, because they were going to show it anywhere, they refuse to show it anywhere. So if you're a theater owner, you can't even show this, make a nice profit, get a lot of publicity out of it, embrace your choice as a an American business owner to air a movie and show a movie and let people decide on their own whether or not the risk is worth it or not, which is the way it should be. Shame on Sony. Horribly naughty. All right. That's a naughty for the Sony Corporation. Howie, you're a defender of all things capitalism. What do you think about Sony? Um. Well... I agree with everything that Brian said, and the one thing I'd like to add is they are also talking about bringing Tobey Maguire back to play Spider-Man. What? And getting rid of Andrew Garfield. Oh, so, no. you know, I don't think both of them suck. Why are you? Though? Is this a breaking news item? I have you not have heard that yet. I think Lions of Liberty is breaking this uh, this Tobey Maguire thing. They're going to the next Spider-Man. That's going to be the headline. In the future, and they're like, maybe we'll have an older Spider-Man. Maybe we'll bring uh, Tobey Maguire back. They're not oh, going to bring know. Kirsten Dunst or chicklet teeth back, are they? I'm firmly against Against that all. Oh man, I don't know if I can continue this podcast with that news coming out because that's that's just awful. More importantly, though, I mean, I don't really think they were concerned about anyone's safety. It's for them, it's a business. It's the bottom line. It's the dollar amount. But as Americans, come on, have some balls, and you can't. I mean, the the damage to your reputation being pushed around by Kim Jong Un. Come on, you just can't do that. Well, that's the thing too. And you you talk about the financial impact. Sorry, he said no. I don't want to talk about. You talk about the financial impact though. But do you realize how much money Sony is losing on this? A, a, an incredible amount because they. they I they, have a feeling they're going to find a way to make it. I'm well. You know what? I'm sure they'll make somebody back, but they're losing so much cash in the advertising because it has been advertised out the ass. But in the meantime, this is becoming. This advertising is even better. This is becoming the most talked about movie in the history of movies. Yeah, but some people are also going to boycott it based upon yeah. Sony just being like, "Hey, you know what? Screw you, Sony." Let's you, talk in six months. Off. I feel like I feel yeah, like no this one's going to boycott this movie. No one's going to watch is, it the first chance. Yeah, they Kim Jong Un will go to the theaters it. to watch it. I know. Yeah, I'm yeah not. I will watch it anywhere. I'm not going to go to the theater to watch it if they release it in two months. Now I'm going to wait for it to come on DVD or uh, VOD. I'm not going to go to the VOD. What year is this again? Video on demand. I know what that is. Get up to date. Get a Roku. All right. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know. Is that, a is that the worst comeback I've ever had? Get a Roku? Have one. They are going to make a ton of money. But if anything, I think the reason why they would bow to any of these hackers is there must be more information in these emails besides. I bet that's uh, what they're more scared about than anything else. But stuff that's just going to embarrass the hell out of the executives that so, they don't so, want out there. So that is that a naughty for you, Howie, too? That's a, that's a naughty, yep. Rico, let's try to keep these snappy. Naughty or nice on Sony? First, I have a question for Howie, since he's a, a South Korean expert. What is a, the value of the South Korean won compared to the U.S. dollar? <laughs> Actually, I'm, 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 I'm more of a North Korean expert, but the South Korean won, when I lived there, it was it was pretty close. It was like uh, one, I don't know. It, it was is close it one to a million? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know what it is now, but it was... 
pretty much like 10,000 won would be like 10 bucks. So, okay. Well, the reason I ask is because I was just interested in figuring out what the North Korean uh, GD, GNP was because I couldn't imagine that as a country, they make more money than Sony does as a company. And, uh, <laughs> And so I'm just trying to figure out how North Korea somehow has better hackers than what Sony could get on free market. I think one thing we're all doing for some reason, for people that question everything the government says and every every uh, you know line they put out to try to go to war, we're all just accepting that North Korea is like legitimately the hackers. And I'm not quite convinced that's the case. A, I don't it think seems... we're all accepting that. Well, my, my... I haven't gotten to Odie yet, true. But, um, so far... Even if they're not the hackers, they can pay a hacker a million dollars to do it. Well, I, I, when I say not the hackers, I mean if they are I, – I include paying for the hacking. I mean, I'm not saying – I don't think Kim Jong-il is sitting at his MacBook, like, hacking Sony <laughs> himself or anything. Right. Um, the Kim family has a lot of money. The, it's a poor country, but the regime, they've got – Yeah, they've got all they've of the – they've dollars. got everything. Well, Anonymous was saying they, – they're saying the hackers were not North Korean, but why – who's got the impetus to do it? I well, mean, granted, uh, Seth Rogen and, and uh, <laughs> what did Obama call him? Uh, Joe Rogan? No, no. <laughs> he no, called him Flacco, right? <laughs> he called him Joe Flacco? What? James Flacco. I James think. Flacco. <laughs> really? James yeah, Flacco. Oh, boy. Obama. See? <laughs> I take away my nice. I take away my nice. After, you know, it's like... So, Rico, is that, is that a naughty on Sony then for you? Naughty. I, they should have released a movie, and they should have hired some hackers who could have figured out who did this and then gone and sent a paramilitary team in or something and taken them out. So... They have enough money. They should have done that and released a movie so I could see it this Christmas. All right, Odie, what do you think about Sony? I'm not going to – I can't agree with, you know, what, what Brian was saying and others have said about, you know, Sony should, should have obviously pushed through and, and played this movie or at least allowed theaters to, to play this movie. You know, they have to look out for the long-term interests of their company. And if it's more emails coming out or if it's the off chance that somehow there's some kind of crazy terror, terror – Terror, terroristic Whoa. attack. Wow, hey now. Pterodactyl. It's not that tough normally. <laughs> terroristic attack. If there's one of those, if that happens, I mean, that's gonna. I mean, everyone's gonna point at Sony and say, you know, why the heck did you? Why'd you? Why'd you play the movie? You just could have, you know, not played the movie. Why'd you do it? So it's easy. And then they'll to, be called. Oh, you were just. You just wanted to make money. You didn't care about all these yeah, lives be that e- were lost. Well, called evil capitalists. Well, Odie, you're damned pop- if you do, oh. damned if you don't. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I come from a publicist standpoint here. Uh, you're taking much more flack by kowtowing to terrorist threats from North Korea, who nobody likes, let's be right. honest, than right. you would if you just let the movie come out. And also, hey, look, it's not on Sunday. They're not going to lose money on a terrorist act. Theater owners should be able to decide if they want to run it or not. Then you could say, hey, you know, don't run the theater. Or you say, hey, blame myself because I had a choice whether or not to do this. Nobody's forcing you to go to the theater and sit in the seat. You choose to do that or not. If you get blown up, Obviously. it's your own damn fault. But you know what? You chose it because you're an American. Yeah, but, yeah, but that, that's not the way that a company is going to think about it. I mean, they're looking out for themselves. They're thinking short term, they want to go through this rough patch. And long term, they're going to be fine. I mean, this movie's going to make a ton of money once it gets out there. Yeah, but long term. They don't care if it's delayed. Long term now, they've set a precedent that if anybody doesn't like any content they ever put out, all they do is say, okay, hey, we're going to bomb the theater if you put it out. What does that say now moving forward if they put out any content that nobody doesn't like? It sounds to me like maybe we won't have to see Tobey Maguire in the new (laughs) Spider-Man. (laughs) <laughs> All right, you heard it here first. NSA, if you're recording this, oh, Howie Snowden is going to phone in a bomb threat about Tony McGuire's new Spider-Man. Uh-oh. Is Sony going to be blamed if there was a terrorist attack on U.S. soil? Would people really 
first blame Sony? If it's shown that they had reason to believe that showing the movie would endanger their moviegoers, I think it's possible. I bet they would be sued. I'm well, not I saying they should be, yeah. but... I think I there's people care. in our media that absolutely, absolutely would, and they would be sued. I mean, you have... Rachel Maddow would be gun, all over that. Gun manufacturers being sued for the the terrible Newtown massacre, but they're suing the, the maker of the gun. People are insane. And you know what it would be? It would be free publicity for them, and they would win the lawsuit. We have the Patriot Act and all these freedoms we've suppo- we've had to give up for sec- uh, supposed security. Ooh. And if there was a terrorist attack by another country on our at a movie theater, as ridiculous as that sounds, I I don't think we should first blame Sony. You blame whoever is supposed to be you know fi- finding out these terrorists. And by the way, if a North Korea was going to come in and do a terrorist bombing, I think we'll see him coming because it's going to be. Two Asian guys in bowl cuts wearing bags of rice sewn together as clothing. We'll see him coming a mile away. Just that There's only 37 haircuts they can have. I know. I saw that. Isn't that crazy? I like number nine. Number nine. <laughs> Racist stereotypes here on the Line of Glory podcast. They're not, though. I make, I make that joke because there's literally a prescribed sheet of haircuts if you look it up for North Korea. So the FBI, whoever they said that there wasn't a credible threat. Now, um... If if all of our communications, every everything is being monitored and sucked up, and they say there's no threat, does that mean there's no threat, or does it mean this method of just sucking up everything and trying to sift through it to find something doesn't work at all, and they have no idea what the hell they're doing? I think it's that one myself. Um, Odie, we never got. Was that a, a nice then for Sony or a naughty? We never we never covered that part. I'm going to say nice. I'm not even sure why, but all I'm right. going with nice. Just to be I'm contrary. going to. Uh, well, I want to abstain because I don't have a strong opinion on what Sony does as a private entity because I'm sure they have calculated the risk both ways and made the decision for the reasons we just discussed that it made more sense not to show it. Now, the conspiracy theorist in me thinks that they are going to show it eventually or release it in some way, and they're going to make even more money on this thing than they ever were if they just release it normally. So I don't know, and I also think that I don't think North Korea literally were the hackers or even paid the hackers. I think it's a really ridiculous absurd neocon conspiracy that has just become the mainstream line there's and, and apparently these hackers I, I read a really good analysis of the of this today that i obviously don't remember who it's by or where it's from but I'll, I'll find it for the show notes that these guys didn't even start talking about the interview movie at first they were just they, hacking and they released all the emails and stuff and it was only later on that they you know once the media started bringing up if this was related to the interview thing only then and only after that point did they start bringing up the uh, you know the terrorist thing about the movies and the bombings and I think that's just an additional distraction for whatever these guys are doing that, that they're playing up. An insane step to take if you're just. It doesn't seem as insane as North Korea hacking Sony. No 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 Mark Mark that is true but North Korea has been making threats Look, in addition to they're always making threats guys, yeah yeah they always are that's, that's why their, I don't know why we're taking it seriously did you guys see did you guys sorry to interrupt but I got to say this perfect point for it did 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 you guys see that. That the, the hacking group, they call themselves the GOP, I forget what it stands for, but they released a video. Um, space, yeah, uh, exactly. That basically all they do is say the um, the FBI are idiots. It's, I haven't watched the video because I don't want to get a virus, but they're just basically saying the FBI's findings are completely baseless and they're morons for thinking it's North Korea. Well, that might be true, but look, uh, here's the only point I want to make. Look, if you're a hacking group, and you go from releasing people's emails, which, fine, people also hacked uh, Jennifer Lawrence's cell phone and released pictures of her doing nudie stuff. There's a big difference between doing that and making threats that you're going to blow up theaters, okay? 
Why would a terrorist, why would a hacking group decide, okay, we're going to make uh, 9-11 style threats to people, and now we're all going to go to jail hardcore forever as terrorists rather than just hackers? Doesn't make any sense. I'm sorry. There's a logic disconnect there, guys. It doesn't make sense. Jail for a long time, too. Well, not as long as if you tell people you're going to blow up their theaters 9-11 style, Howie. I think once you hack Sony, you're like, if you get caught, you're going down. For the record, Sony um, is the most controversial vote so far, because Sony got two nices from me and Odie, who are kind of on the same wavelength today, and uh, three naughties. I don't really think they're nice or naughty. I just don't. I'm not fired up about it like you guys are, and... If I can make Brian angrier, I'm going to do that. So, so <laughs> hey, nice. One last, one last thing about Sony. Um, I mean, I obviously don't want the government to do anything. It's their responsibility to secure their own networks. But if they're not going to and they're going to just keep play, leaving themselves susceptible, it's just like these people to keep rebuilding houses in hurricane zones that we're forced to pay for for their subsidized insurance. It's got to take care of your own stuff. Don't there expect go. uh, the government to do it for you. Back after a little break. Hey guys, Mark Clare here, lionsofliberty.com, where we strive to advance the ideas of liberty daily. We bring you the Morning Roar! That's right, every Monday to Friday we'll have a brand new edition of the Morning Roar, where we provide a roundup of some news stories that you may not find in the mainstream media, or even in your typical social media news feed. We find stories that relate to the ideas of liberty and provide you with our liberty perspective on them. We wrap it all up every Friday with Felony Friday, where our own John Odermatt goes out and takes a look at some sort of felony. There's felonies committed every day, you know, whether it's a felony committed by the police, a politician, or even an average citizen. You can find all of this and so much more over at lionsofliberty.com, advancing the ideas of liberty daily. All right, folks, we are back. From our little break, we've filled our drinks, we've uh, emptied our bladders, we're filling and emptying things and refilling them now. We are back, of course, with our Lions of Liberty holiday special, spectacular, extravaganza, extrava, spectacular, whatever you want to call it. That intro is special. Thank you. I've been, I, that was not canned, actually. We are going through our yearly naughty or nice list, and uh, we've gone through a few already, and we're going to knock a few more out before we sign off for the for the year, because this is actually the last show of the year, guys. Uh, since we've taken a little break, why don't we just do a quick little survey to break things up? Why don't we just go around the well, the room that exists in my brain? You're all in different rooms in different cities, but why don't we just take a quick survey of, since it's the, the end of the year, the last show of the year, why don't we just find out who you guys all thought is the best show of the year, and I'm eliminating from contention every show that you've been a member of. Like, no libertarians in living rooms drinking liquors are eligible for this, but just just the interviews that I've done over the year, and I'm going to abstain as well, because I need to be a politician and say that I appreciate all my guests equally. They're great. So, with that being said, why don't we start with Brian here? What is your favorite Lines of Liberty interview for 2014? I think it happened this year, because I clicked on the podcast archive... Archive? The Archive? Mm, you're welcome. I've been drinking. Lionsofliberty.com slash podcast. That's right. Check it out. Uh, Thomas Lorenzo, man. He was really interesting. I, you know, it's, it, There's always that constant debate about Lincoln. I think that was this year. I yeah, it was. On it, I think it was. But no, it's just fascinating because I'm a big history buff you know, about Lincoln and the, the way the slavery thing unfolded and how he's <laughs> basically a horrible statist. Uh, I thought that was great. All right. So cool. That's one vote for Thomas Lorenzo. Uh, Howie, do you listen to this show? I do, and <laughs> I really like the uh, Scott Horton one. Um, it's, it just shows the madness of our foreign policy, how some of our actions ended up creating ISIS. And, I mean, he also points out, too, you know, they are crazy psychopaths, but 
they're surrounded by enemies, probably not going to gain much more ground. And us getting involved just drives recruiting. Like, hey, come fight the Christian Crusaders and their Zionist allies and the heretic Shiites. But, um, you know, as awful as they are, the best thing for us to do would be to stay out of it and let the people that they're going to have to try to govern just uh, murder them in their sleep. Damn right. But, yeah, that's that gets my vote. All right, yeah, Scott Horton. He was incredibly knowledgeable, awesome guy to talk to. Rico, I think this is the first time he's listened to the show, but um, maybe he <laughs> maybe he found something that he liked. What anything anything out there, Rico? I would say uh, G. Edward Griffin. All right, I really like that one. I I like all your podcasts, Mark. Well, they're of course, all children to me, and I cherish each one. All they're all just like children to you. Mostly for them. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like put the Lena down to bed every night? He means he he's just he has sixty four like, different iPods and they're all queued to a different episode. Uh, <laughs> yes, but I find it uh, amazing still that it's not a bigger story about the creation of the Fed. And uh, again, this week the Fed chairman, I believe. Uh, decided not to raise interest rates. I don't know when they ever do or when that would ever happen again in our lifetime. But again, uh, our money is going downhill and uh, no one really talks about it except uh, Lines of Liberty. So good job. It's literally just us. Now, there's a couple other people out there too. But yeah, uh, Gia Evergriffin was an awesome interview. That was one of the guys I wanted to get. Second I started a podcast, I was like, I got to talk to this guy and he is as sharp as they come. So I highly recommend checking that one out. What about you, uh, Mr. Odermatt? What is your favorite interview of the year? I have something for the uh, large German listening contingent of your podcast. Ich möchte das Podcast mit Udo Ufgott. Yeah. Yeah, Udo. Speaking of canned things from Odo, you definitely like Googled the German. I speak a little bit of German. You do. Ich wohne in Pittsburgh. That means I live in Pittsburgh. All right. Yeah, good job. But no, it was just very That's Odo's next podcast venture. Learn German with John Odermatt and whiskey. I used to utilize my German to beautiful 19-year-old German visitors that lived at a hostel down the road for most a little while ago, Mark. And you know what? Failed every time. Hmm. That sounds that's like a, American a education. It, it sounds like the beginning to one, but then <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the what, what it amounted to. Didn't work out, did it? Uh, horrible. All right. Speaking of things hey. not working out, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, this is liberals and liberals. They would get drink a drink of one. Wow. <laughs> you heard right, folks. This yeah, we are in like minute fifty something or so. So About that's seventeen. You know, some of this, uh, some of the fine adult beverages that we have here. It's gonna be um, edited down. People like, wow, these guys. Really it's not gonna be edited down. I, how, we've been doing this for a year. You don't realize by now these shows don't get edited down. Oh, sweet. The rest of them do. Not these ones. These we let go. We just let this. This is. These are John Dobbert's weeks off. What? I'm working right now. I told Brian how to say that. So we, we want to get a few more naughtier nices in before we sign can, off. Can I say w- one thing about sure. Udo Ufkut? No. Oh, yeah. Please, <laughs> please yes. Jesus. I, I was so enthralled by your German that... All right, yeah, yeah. Why'd you, why'd you like it that was, It was an awesome... I mean, it was... Honestly, I think it was one of your best interviews. Um, the, the questions you asked, and I think his, his answers were surprisingly telling, talking about, you know, when he was in college getting recruited... By uh, German intelligence, sort of underhandedly. Um, it wasn't, you know, outright recruitment, but he kind of knew what was going on. It was just very interesting to see how he was led into that way of life and basically being told what to write about. And then all of a sudden, just like a like a switch, deciding that he wanted to change his life and just basically tell all and be honest about the hypocrite and the uh, 
tool of uh, government intelligence that he'd been. It was a very cool episode. Go back and listen to it. Even though Howie was skeptical of my, my getting him on the show originally. <laughs> Silence. As he exhales, <laughs> strong through his nasal cavities, if you can all hear. What's funny is I can actually tell that that's how he's breathing. That's, that's how well I know how he sounds. That might have been his last breath. Howie, are you still there? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm still there. You know, it turned out it was a very good podcast, and it's, it's reminiscent of the things you hear from a lot of people like uh, that. Amber Lyon used to work for CNN and she found out, you know, the Bahraini government was paying them to only play uh, positive news stories uh, about their country. And, like, the documentary she made about them, I, th- I think it didn't even play on, like, their uh, national network and maybe got edited down. And, uh, you know, of course, they drummed her out, tried to ruin her reputation, all that. And it's, it's, it's just hard to trust anyone nowadays, whether it be the government, the media, and there's just more and more examples. I mean... Well, There's information tangent. out there, but you, you got to know how to think for yourself. Quick tangent on that is that I, I think it was this year I wrote about it, but you know that the government now there used to be a ban on government being involved in any sort of media stories after and propaganda, World War II. propaganda, yeah, and that has since been dropped. So now it's pretty much wide open. I don't know. We should probably do a, some sort of research to see how many articles. No, 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 not for these shows. No, no, not no, for no this, mind you, but in the future because. The, it's been dropped now, but you know, government can create video content, can create news stories, and buy time, and just like anybody else, put this on the air, and you will never know. So I don't know if that's this year or last year that happened, but just saying, terrifying. It is terrifying. You can only trust LionsofLiberty.com. That's pretty much the point we're trying to make. Again, that's LionsofLiberty.com. Cool. So let's move into our, our naughtier nices again. I got a few more names jotted down here, and... You know, they might not be that controversial, but they might be because, um, yeah, I don't know, because they might be. So, if you, got, you guys might remember this Cliven Bundy guy who is out in Nevada. He's had this ranch there for some number of years, and I guess his cattle, and if anyone wants to jump in, because I obviously didn't do research on this, but, you know, he had his cattle out there grazing away in the, in the fields and the lands that were, I guess, owned, quote-unquote owned, by I guess they were owned by the state of Nevada. It's a weird kind of tricky situation where Nevada owns it, but the federal government controls the land, something like that. And essentially, the, the government has been trying to move ranchers off uh, a lot of the land in Nevada. And essentially, they basically said, you know, you owe us X amount of money for all your cows grazing on this land, started to take the cows. And, you know, he had all these people basically coming up and um, defending him. Uh, I guess like all these, the Oath Keepers were there and all sorts of, some people call themselves libertarians, some people are like uh, Tea Party people, it's hard to really say, but he basically got this whole crew to basically back him up in this standoff with the feds and I guess you can say he won because they did actually back down. Uh, I think they were kind of saying he still owes the money, but they said we're not going to try to enforce this anymore. So, I mean, you could say it's a case of, you know, citizens taking up arms and successfully defending themselves, or you could say something else. I don't know. Uh, we'll find out what you say. We'll start with Brian. Well, what do you think I, about this guy? Naughty or nice? Uh, what's interesting is that you're talking about how it was you know the state of Nevada owned that land because what Utah just did. Well, uh, I put the term the term "own" in quotes because I mean through well, through no. obviously states that we have nowadays aren't really owning things; they just kind of claim a certain land as theirs. There's no you know no homesteading principle. There's right. no really like use or anything. There's just you know, the federal government does it at one level and states do it at another level. They just claim we own this land. Right. Well, talk about- if, 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 I could, if I could just interject, I'm you pretty can. sure that Nevada did not own the land. The federal government did. And the root of the problem was 
um, Bundy not paying grazing fees to the federal government. But go ahead. I think right. it was actually well, to the county, though. Maybe we should do research for these shows. No, I, it's it's the federal government. Yeah, I did a little research. That's what I was so going to say. Okay. Is, what's interesting is that Utah, like a month ago or something like that, just initiate a lawsuit against the government basically to take back land that the federal government owned. Because some of the, the, government, the federal government owns like 55% of land that states have, which is insane to me. They're doing almost nothing with it other than you know some state parks, which is great. State parks are fine. But anyway, moving on. Uh, Clyburn Bunny here. Clyburn, you know, look, I appreciate the fact that he stood up for it. I do kind of think that, look, if it's land that's not being used, I understand that uh, you'd want to graze on it. So on one side, I'm saying, okay, great for standing up against the federal government. I guess on the other side of property ownership rights, which as libertarians, we always say, you know, if you own the property, you own the rights to the land, you should probably stand up for that. Uh, if Look, if the federal government happens to own the land, then you should have to pay to graze on it if you're owning that land. It's just like you should, you know, if you're polluting someone else's land, you should have to pay them for the damage you're inflicting on that. So, I don't know. I gotta kind of give Cliven a naughty here. I, I appreciate what he did, but I think he's wrong. Uh, you basically ways. have no opinion on this, is what you're saying. I gave him a naughty, <laughs> didn't I? He's wrong. He's wrong. Look, if somebody owns that How land... How can you appreciate him if he's naughty? I appreciate the sentiment, but he's wrong. He should be paying somebody for those rights. You can't just... So do you think the federal government's claim of that land is legitimate, then? Well, that's not the question, was it? That's, well, that's not part of the question. Well, if, let, me, let me see if I can unmuddy the waters here, maybe a little bit. Please. So I think the, the contention was that Bundy thought the land was owned by the state of Nevada, but the government actually owned the land. But does so that Bundy, make it, Bundy's but, family had allowed their cattle to graze there for, you know, since Does that make it his to graze? Does that make it his to graze on them? And I'm not advocating, don't, get, don't take this as me advocating for states, you know, owning property necessarily, but does that make it his to graze on? Well, I'd say if it's unused, it doesn't make it his to graze on, and he wasn't claiming ownership of the land, but if, if no one owns it, which to me is kind of the same thing as the federal government owning it, that if when they're not – it's not like it was being used for a state park or something like that. Maybe Odie has done all the research on this apparently and has the oh. research packet in front of him and said some light on this. But um, You're getting into theory though. I mean, Well, yeah. That's what we're talking if about If a here. guy – let's say, let's say oh, John Odermatt owns the land and this guy's been grazing his cattle on it. He wants to get paid for it. Property rights and you, know, yeah. you should have to pay him. Right, and but, Clive and Lundy's like, I'm not going to pay you. He should have to pay him. Yeah, well, my contention would just be that the federal government doesn't actually have legitimate property rights. Well, I agree with you there, but again, we're getting into theory and not practice. But yeah, that's what I do here. Um, anybody else have thoughts on this? <laughs> Howie. <laughs> I don't know enough about this to, con- to intelligently comment, but it seems like a lot of this would be solved if the federal government didn't own these huge tracts of land. If 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 everything was actually private property, everything would be solved. I, I don't know, but um. well, sure, and that's why it is a money situation because of yeah. I mean, Brian's got a point. Like, if if the property titles are legitimate, yeah, he can't just go gra- having his cows graze on land. But like you said, when the federal government claims ownership of almost half the land in the country, I mean, uh, you, you can't really call that legitimate. We have to call it pr- probably illegitimate. But uh, it is certainly a money situation, and I think. On the other hand, you know, grazing on land they you don't own, you're not taking care of. It sounds kind of socialist to me. Like, oh, this is the community land we all get to use it 
I don't. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't I like know. It. Howie, I like it exactly right. It's a socialist agenda. That's oh, it's all our land. We can all grow on any of this land. Well, if no one owns it, yeah. But if someone owns it, no. Well, but we don't really have homesteading anymore. I think. Well, that's, yeah. And that's well, the exactly. Problem. I don't know. But now let's say we did by a homesteading principle. If no one else has been using the land and his. He used it for his grazing of his cows. Isn't he, over time, especially if he's been doing it for 20, 30 years, hasn't he homesteaded the land? Absolutely right, Mark. Oh, Rico! That is Boom! We almost forgot about you. Touche, touche, Mark. Go ahead, Rico. It's called adverse possession. And uh, if the government owned it and they did not kick him off the land, um, it looks like there's a long legal history with this, there was a bunch of lawsuits in federal court and stuff over time, but it also looks like he had been doing this for quite a while. And the government would kind of come, and then they would forget about it, and then he would continually to do it. Over time, I, and I doubt any court would ever rule that the federal government lost control of land, but if it was another private property owner, and you can get, uh, under common law, you can't get a, a title to that land by doing what he did, so... You know, I heard about something recently where um, a guy was, like, living under someone's house and had, like, even hooked up wires and he had a TV under there and they, it was doing it for so long that when they finally discovered him, he they did that. He made some kind of argument in court where he had actually, like... I don't think they used the term homesteading or whatever your fancy legal term was there, but uh, he, they basically ruled that, yeah, he had some, some ownership rights now because he had spent so much time there without anyone kicking him out. Well, that's insane in that yeah, guy. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm, not, really, I'm not saying that's right. You know, what? you know what? This may be the way the law works because, actually, I have a, a big fence around my backyard, but when I bought the house, apparently I only owe about half of the yard, but because the fence has been up for so long that that's illegally considered mine it's just see that's ridiculous so you're what? saying i should hey. fence in my neighbor's house yeah that's, so... rid- yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's ridiculous and maybe as long as nobody complains long enough they might eventually say well, well yeah well that, look that, we can all agree <laughs> that the law is not perfect so there's always ways to sneak through that it's eh, just stupid well, if you don't know property's yours for like 15 years i mean you probably should get on top of that so it's kind of like the law is it's your own fault you either figure out you know if someone else is on your property or you have plenty of time to do it it's not like you can do it in a month or two get, gain someone else's land but yeah you gotta figure out this is my property and and maintain it and act in accordance so wait so i get to keep my whole lawn <laughs> and this will be cut this fascinating a little bit more facts than what you <laughs> all right all right moving on so wait, that so it's a it's a there's a naughty from brian howie did you give a naughty or nice i'm gonna abstain we've, we've come this far one abstention all right rico it sounds like you maybe lean and nice I'll, I'll say nice all right that's a nice odie the the, the man with the facts of this case is clive and naughty or nice yeah, I mean, it, it's it's such a, a murky, cloudy issue. Um, if you if you remember, I'm looking back into it, and the way the federal government kind of sunk their teeth in was through the preservation of these uh, desert tortoises. You know, the, his cattle grazing was, you know, jeopardizing. I guess I guess they're an endangered species or whatever. But I mean, I, I wish the guy would have been a little more articulate and a little less abrasive, and some would say maybe just full blown racist. Um, he definitely didn't go about this in a, in a very diplomatic or 
educational way, talking about property rights and pretty much everything we've been talking about in the past couple of minutes here. I wish he did that. So for that reason, I'm going to give him a, give him a naughty. But I'm, I'm glad that this did occur to to bring this topic up. But, you know, we're six, eight months later and everyone's already forgotten about it. So maybe it's not that big of a deal. Well, Odie, you basically took the words out of my mouth because while I there, and it is a murky situation. So while I can see, you know, I think um, in some ways there is a, a way you can defend him, bec- the ways we discussed where he has been using the property for this amount of time. Um, it's not like it was legitimately owned property. I think most of us would agree on that. However, it's not like Clive and Bundy is some man of principle here because all he's really saying is, no, the state of Nevada has control over the land, and that's who I'm going to pay. He's really just – all he's really done is dispute the level of of kind of fiat ownership, of a claim over land that you know that no one really has legitimately owned. And maybe he would in a society where we had homesteading rights and that kind of thing. But that's not you know that's not his principles. He just wants to use it, and and that's it. So he may just be a dick. It's possible, but I'm, I'm not calling him that. Maybe he's a nice fellow, <laughs> but because he's not really taking a principled stance on it, and I think it also associating that again with like with libertarianism, with the right, with whatever you want to associate it with. And when you associate a bunch of dudes with guns pointing them at at the feds, I mean, I'm right or wrong. Eh, not the best thing to be associated with necessarily, especially when it's not backed by solid principles. So um, I will join in with a naughty, although I'm not necessarily saying anyone that supports him is naughty. But overall, when, you, when you're not basing your, your stance on principle and you're basing it more on these are my cows and whatever, then yeah, I'm not really going to jump on your side that, that strongly. So I think Cliven got naughty from most of us, which might be controversial. Interesting. Or it might not. Uh, speaking of controversy, we did a whole show on the Ferguson thing. Well, almost a whole show. I, th- I think we lost the last 20 minutes or so due to technical difficulties, so maybe we can recreate those those last few fine moments here. But um, Those are the best 20 minutes of my life, and they're best, lost forever. And, and they're gone forever, <laughs> except in our minds. Uh, but what about a gentleman by the name of Darren Wilson? Naughty or nice? And this is tough for a few reasons, and I, and I think most of it is because we – you know, we know what came out, obviously, for those that, uh, heck, if you don't know this guy and you don't know this story, I'm surprised you're listening to this show. But just to recap, Darren Wilson is the officer who shot Michael Brown, which did um, you know, set off the, all the protests in Ferguson, Missouri. Um, it appears, based on some of the evidence that we've seen from the grand jury, that Darren Wilson was struck in the face, that he maybe had his gun reached for. Uh, it also appears he shot Michael Brown many, many times from the front. That suggests that it might possibly have not been a self-defense situation at some point. I think the big problem here is this grand jury system where we can't really trust the system at all, so it's really hard to say. I mean, I've read some things here and there about how they've even found some of the witnesses that were on Wilson's side that aren't that trustworthy, have been proven to have lied in the past. So it's definitely a murky, factual situation. But given that, Darren Wilson, not very nice. Brian? This, like I said, this is so murky, so difficult to talk about. I, I, well, I we this, like murky. This here. came out. I thought I was on the side of Michael Brown. I said, okay, you know, it, it sounds like a, a case of a guy that was doing something. You know, he might have been something wrong, but he didn't deserve to die. Uh, and then, as I read more about it, and I read more of the the factual evidence and the coming, you know, the forensic evidence, it sounds like. This kid assaulted a cop. It sounds like he was assaulting him through the cop's window of his police car, which is pretty bad. And then what I read, the last thing I read was that 
it was all, you know, wounds from the front and that he was charging in and witness testimony kind of supports that. So I, I'm, I'm going to say that Darren Wilson, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to say he's nice, but I'm going to say he's not naughty. All right. I'm going to count that as a nice because <laughs> there's only two options. I guess there's abstain, but I don't like that one either. So. Uh, yeah, I don't like that I'm one. I'm not going to lie. All right, fine. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say he's nice. I'm going to say that, right. that this kid did enough that he had. He was forced to do it. You're going to assume it was self-defense, but essentially. Not assume, and I, but, and I ain't one to side with the police. All right. That's a nice for Darren. What about you, Howie? What's your assessment of this whole deal? I'm sure you listened to our whole podcast. Oh, um, yeah. Well, Twice. What what actually got posted? Um, but, you know, hey. absent the last twenty minutes, I didn't hear that. No, you did. But I mean, there's so many instances and in reports of police brutality and whatnot. Like when I first heard about this, I, I kind of assumed he was in the wrong. When the forensic evidence and all came out, um, I I think you know he he was probably justified. But I don't know. I wasn't there, and I, I thought you know if he was wearing a camera, if cops all wore cameras, we would know the truth. But then we got, you know, the, the other case in New York where the guy gets choked to death on tape with an illegal chokehold, and that dude gets off too. To me, that's, that's a much more egregious case of police brutality, and I don't know why the, this whole movement got started over the, the Ferguson thing when it, it was so cl- unclear, different I – mean, I mean, from what we know, all these people saying different things, the evidence seems to support that uh, – Michael Brown reached for the gun, uh, that he wasn't shot in the back, as some people said, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's just, uh, I guess I would have to put him on the nice list. Uh, I think he was a cop doing his job. And I, I, I think he would, he had to leave the police station and he had, his, his career is ruined now. And he was probably just defending himself. But then again, I don't know. I'm still for cameras on cops, even though in New York, it didn't seem to make a difference. Uh, actually, it did make a difference. Just a counterpoint that it actually uh, there's been a massive reduction in reports of police violence in New York after they instituted the cameras on the vests. Well, so. you mean he means it didn't make a difference in the Garner? Case. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I, I, yeah, I, I, overall, was, statistically, no. Statistically, overall, though, in New York, has been a huge oh, right, difference. Just right. that wow. Yeah. Well, that, just, that wasn't that wasn't a cop wearing a camera. Though. That was a bystander videotaping the. Uh, the scene, right? right. True. Yeah, why, why, yeah, why wasn't a cop wearing a cap, That's what I would hope to capture on a cop wearing a camera, but apparently you can just murder someone and get off scot-free on tape and everything if you're a uh, New York City police. Well, if you're the police investigating the police, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. So that is a two nices for Darren. All right, Rico. Well, like the other gentleman said, it's incredibly difficult to really know what happened but i i think the question really is should this have gone to trial and not just a grand jury because when there's such you know uh, ambiguities of facts what really happened with eyewitnesses should should the trial be the place for that to get sorted out i i kind of think he, he probably should have gone to trial um so there could have been a you know, kind of a public forum for all this to be to be weighed. I don't know. Maybe that would have made the whole situation worse with uh, a long, uh, drawn out trial with you know people arguing over the credibility of witnesses and in, in kind of real time. But it was just so difficult to really figure out what happened. Did the prosecutor want it to go to trial, or did he kind of sabotage the grand jury presentment, like some people said? 
Uh, who, who, really, who really knows? But Rico, with the evidence, doesn't it seem like it would have been very unlikely to get a conviction? And would you really spend the resources and the money on, on the trial if it's not going to pan out? Well, I don't know if it would have been that unlikely to, to get a conviction. I probably would depend on the, the jury pool. You probably would not have gotten convicted, but I don't know. I mean, uh, it's... it's, it's <laughs> it's impossible to say, I guess, really. Um, Should we reveal that Rico's a lawyer, by the way? Not a, a, a good one. So He plays one <laughs> on TV, at least. Right? He's more like that, what's the sim- that, sim- that lawyer from The Simpsons? <laughs> Lionel Hutz. Yeah, he's a Lionel, Lionel Hutz type lawyer. So. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if so, we need to put too much stock into it. <laughs> yeah, well, just, so, to, just so people understand where he's coming from, so he's talking legalese at it. And... Hopefully other lawyers don't listen to this show because then they'll point out all the errors I make. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that Rico, don't buy his on TV commercial. Well, I mean, you never want to hire a lawyer that goes just by a Rico, first of all. So I mean, <laughs> exactly. if, if that alone doesn't scare them off, dial one eight hundred Rico Law. <laughs> oh exactly my god, the kind of lawyer hey, I'm hey, looking if you for. Use like a, that. Like you give me. Player. You give me ten percent. <laughs> Sounds like the kind of lawyer I could afford, though. <laughs> I mean, that's my, that's not my business card. The kind of lawyer you can, even you can afford, young man. (laughs) Oh boy! But anywho, I will say uh, nice because I I think the facts more weigh in his favor than in uh, the side that he. um, Come on, get it out! Murder! You can do it! (laughs) Yeah, I can't think of. He basically there's enough facts that it was self-defense in some in some way, shape, or form. All right, Odie, Darren Wilson. First, Rico, let me ask you just a quick uh, follow-up question because I'm curious and, and I don't know. Uh, how Who makes the decision to take it to a grand jury? I, I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's the, the prosecutor yeah. or the DA, the DA who decides yeah. which way to go. And, yeah. yeah, can you just expand on that a little bit? Well, I mean, I think Mark even wrote this in an article. Like, a prosecutor can get a ham sandwich indicted. That's like the old saying. So it's the prosecutor who generally decides whether or not there's sufficient evidence to go before a grand jury, and then he may, he presents the case. And, and pretty much 99% of the time, if a prosecutor wants a case to go to trial, he'll get an indictment. It doesn't have to be unanimous at the grand jury to go forward to trial. Um, the problem is, like, once you get indicted, you can't be unindicted, so... Uh, but in, in this case, it's not like Darren Wilson was anonymous anyways. His name and his face were out there. So everyone knew who he was, what the accusations were. So I guess just the question is, should he have gone to trial with the evidence? Was there enough to kind of have a probable cause to, that he didn't act appropriately? So uh, I guess that question's moot now because he wasn't yeah. indicted. But uh, it, it's it's a prosecutor, and if the prosecutor wanted him to go to trial, he would have presented the case in a different way. It, it seems like to me the only reason not to just take him to trial is to save the for the prosecutor to be reelected and possibly save his job. Because yeah. I mean, if if he's looking to find the truth or something yeah, close to the truth, you would take it to trial. I mean, absolutely, yeah. Because there is no you know, a, there's only one side goes to, to trial. You know, at uh, a grand jury, it's the prosecution. There's no defense attorney there. Right. So, if I, I think the lesson is that the prosecutor didn't want him to go to trial, and probably for the reasons you said, Odie. I don't know. I, I just disagree. If the uh, forensic evidence 
points to that he probably was in the right. Like, why spend all the money on the trial? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a danger in thinking that he should just go to trial just to appease the public, because then it becomes like a witch hunt kind of thing. And 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 I think the bigger problem here is this whole this whole system in general that we just it's. Um, I mean, I'm not sure what the better system is necessarily. Um, you know, if you talk to some of the anarchists I've had in the show, they'll say it's pr- it's a private court system or whatever. I'm not sure if that solves the problem if the people in the society don't see things differently. But, you know, it, I think people don't see justice in this system. So even when there might be a case like this where if you really looked at the facts, you might say, okay, Wilson was defending himself most likely. It doesn't matter because the people of Ferguson have seen so much injustice in so many other ways. And you see things like Eric Garner where there's no justice for sure. And then people are just... Not people are going to be biased to assume that there was, you know, a cover up in this case, and you can't really blame them based on everything else we've seen out there. If that went to trial, they would, they would need a change of venue for sure. I don't even know if he could get a fair trial there now with the way everything's been drummed up in the media. If the prosecutor didn't think there was a sufficient evidence, he never should have gone to the grand jury. Doing that alone was just a cry to appease the public. So true. I don't know what he was doing in the first place then. No, you're right. He was abusing the public. He, he didn't want the decision on his head. Exactly. So, what did we give it? Did, did you ever uh, give so, it? I guess, I guess on, with that, yeah, I'll just be. I'll be brief with mine. Um, I, I, I can't say that someone who killed a man um, is. I, I don't know. Not, nothing against you guys that said that he that that ruled that he was or said that he was nice. I just can't say he was nice. Was had, I mean, maybe there was some other way he could have avoided um, this confrontation in this way. I mean, I know that um, it, it looks like that. You know, the, um, his gun was reached for, and he, and he had no other choice. But it's hard for me to to say that that he was nice when uh, when, when a guy's dead. So I, I got to give Darren Wilson a naughty. Absolutely, right. that's a naughty. I mean, it, it is tough because we just don't really know the facts. We only know versions of facts and snippets of facts. Um, and I think to be principled and to to kind of have a view of things, you have to defend. Even unnice people that might do un unnice is that a word? <laughs> people that might not be that great because I don't know. It's I guess Darren Wilson came from another department where they disbanded the whole department or something because there was abuse and there was racism and, and that kind of thing. And I mean, who knows how much of a part of that he actually was? I don't know if Darren Wilson's a great guy. I have no idea. He might be a racist. He might be a guy that was looking for a fight. That but I, I, that's all conjecture, you know. And the people that are putting that onto him, it's all conjecture for them too. So I mean. The way I see it, we do know that he was at least probably. I mean, the, the thing that is, as much as I don't want to defend Darren Wilson, who's a guy that killed somebody, do I want to defend Michael Brown? Because <laughs> right. we do know some things about him. We do know that he shook down a guy for some some you know cigarillos earlier in the day and strong armed his way into that. So you can say that oh he was a nice kid this and that. That day he wasn't acting like a nice kid. He was acting like a thug. And I don't care if people might take a section to that word, but to me a thug is someone who thinks they can get what they want by force, whether it's someone whether it's a cop wearing a government badge or whether it's a guy who isn't and is just pushing around a store owner. So and that doesn't mean he's worthy of death, but it does show that he's at least in the, that day of the, you know, that day he was acting like a thug, and and we do know also that you know Wilson supposedly came back because he saw the cigarettes on the guy and was in the process of I guess going to question him about about that incident. Um, so if somehow in that incident he actually had to defend himself, like I don't like to use the word nice for someone that killed somebody either, but if he was just defending himself. 
then yeah, nice. <laughs> but I mean, nice isn't the right word there. It's just in the context of what we're doing here. But um, it's it's an unfortunate situation whenever anyone dies. But ultimately, if we're going to defend some principle and if we're just going to take the the little facts that we do know. A, that Michael Brown was roughing someone up. B, that Darren Wilson was hit. I mean, I don't see any anything else is conjecture to say that the facts don't at least lean towards a self-defense case. Brian, I know you're itching to say something. I'm not. I'm oh, just I, I just I'm, assumed. I'm, you must I'm, be I'm itching to say something. I'm itching to say something. Right, I, mean, I, say I, I see where you're coming from. I see where all you guys are coming from. But it's just, it's, it's hard for me to look at this. I mean, with, with Michael Brown, who was killed. And I'm not saying Michael Brown was in the right. He was obviously in the wrong. But... It's hard for me to say that Darren Wilson performed what was nice, performed in the right way. And I know I hate using that word, that word nice. This really doesn't apply. Naughty or nice really doesn't apply to this case, I guess, is what we've, what we've determined here. No, but that's I mean, true. It, well, it, oh, here's the thing. That you look, guess, it's you a cheap gimmick. Argue, what do you want me to do? You can argue that <laughs> he should have tased him. Like, okay, look, we're going to, you know, you look at a lot of cases that go down and you say, oh, why don't you use a taser there? And in this situation, I thought about this, you know, Look, if, if you're going to use a taser, great. But the guys, it according to the evidence, according to the you know, there's been damage. There's, it looks like he was punched inside his police car. If this kid's turning around and from reports charging at this guy, this police officer who's already been punched in his car, the guy already tried to get his gun. He he says him to you know, what do you know, stop. The guy turns around and charges him. Put yourself in a human position and say, what are you going to do? Are you going to Pull out your taser on this guy or this guy that's already tried to steal your gun and is punching it through the window of your car and broke the glass from what the reports I read. Are you going to shoot him because you think you're going to die? And let's remember that police officers are also people. They're humans. So not to defend police officers. At a, you know, Look, I, I will go off all day on police officers and their abuse of power. But look, they're also people. They also don't want to die okay what are you no, gonna do yeah, what no, are you gonna I mean, do yeah you're, you're right i mean i'm not i'm not not excusing i mean definitely not excusing michael brown here and i mean but you gotta remember darren wilson i mean i think people have this image in their head of like michael brown being this towering guy and darren wilson being this small man darren wilson's like six four or something i mean he's i don't think the size of the people should even be a remote factor in this stuff i mean eh, if well, a if a guy a foot shorter than me comes up and Tries to take my gun, like it shouldn't matter that he's smaller than me if I mean to defend myself against him. A guy that was about five foot nine beat me in arm wrestling at the bar the other day. So let's just say size doesn't mean you ain't that strong. There you go. That that might be. We should probably end the show on that actual. I'm very good at arm wrestling. I lost because he bought me a shot. All right, guys, I want to end on a little higher note than, you know, Darren Wilson killing Michael Brown and all of that terrible stuff because either way, I think we all agree it's not a good situation. Um,. So why don't we just try to close with uh, maybe some positive thoughts about the 2014 year in Liberty. Why don't you just, well, why don't we go do this libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor style and just riff from the heart. So, Brian, I know you got some stuff to riff on. Riff from the heart. All right. Uh, You know what? All right. Here's here's some good good vibes. Even though it ain't going to happen this year. It's going to happen in 2016. But... You well, sa- save your predictions for the the, the next oh, year's Jesus. show. Two years from now, we might all be dead. All right. Anyway, <laughs> Obama, even though it ain't going to happen until 2016, uh, he, he wants everybody that's in the police officer to wear a vest-mounted camera. Fantastic. I agree with that. The decriminalization of marijuana. My God, can we all get around that? 
Fantastic thing. The war on drugs is slowly ebbing away, and people, we are on the shore bathing in the beautiful warm waves of a movement that I think eventually will encompass most drugs here in L.A., Mark, or in California as a whole. Now, decriminalization of everything, including you know weed and heroin and coke uh, under a, a gram. It's just a good movement. I think we're moving in such a great direction. I honestly have not felt more positive after a year's end than this year. Wow. I just, I, I seriously, it's it's. If you look back, it's been incredible the progress that's been made on a lot of fronts. I just am. Full of holiday chiller. Brian cheer gives 2014 also, a nice. And also Noah's Mill bourbon. Wait, let lie. me get this right. So Coke, Coke is legalized? Under no. Well, well, not about crack, legalized. Though. Not legalized. Yeah, let's, let's clarify. Prop 47 in California recently passed this year basically makes possession of drugs, uh, reduces it from a felony to a misdemeanor. misdemeanor. So... As long as it's for possession, so it's a certain amount. It's obviously, over certain amounts, it's, it becomes trafficking, yeah, it's under and, and, a that, gram. and that stuff is still felonies. And I think it might be different for every drug, but generally, if you have been convicted of a nonviolent drug crime, it's you're no longer a felon as long as it's all nonviolent stuff. Yeah. Anybody that's connected to violence, they're still felons. Um, so I mean, there's some people that are like, "Oh, you're you're giving criminals a pass and all this and that." I'm like, well, I mean, they're not real criminals to me. They're people that just had a substance of some kind and was labeled criminals by our system. So that is the Prop 47. I give a nice to that and the yeah, people agreed. of California. And I, and I should have mentioned that. That is a, that was a huge thing for California. Is that and people were objecting to it because like, oh, you're like criminals, just like Mark said. No, nonviolent criminals. Right. And <laughs> as I wrote about side work, side tangent, uh, California fought against it. Why? Because oh, police unions, prison, prison yep, private prisons. Prison and, labor, everybody. Oh, the cheap labor, that's right. They wanted to keep cheap prison labor. They argued that we let all of our insignificant, stupid drug criminals go. They wouldn't have enough cheap labor to make money off of. So, you know, God bless our sweet state of California. I'll uh, concede the floor now. All right, let's move on. Howard Snowden, what are your thoughts? Edward Snowden's brother. Got to have something good to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'll keep it short, but I agree with Brian. I think seeing the war on drugs finally start to fall apart, this the war on drugs which has ruined so many lives and is just a money-making scheme. It's just uh, great to see that happening. That's the biggest thing, I think, for Freedom going this year, and I'll leave it at that. All right. Rico, you can bring some maybe some pessimism to this, hopefully. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I hopefully... <laughs> Oh, yeah. Been waiting all day. I'm miserable all the time. I am always unhappy. I don't uh, have quite the same optimism that you guys all do about going into the new year, about things taking a, a turn for uh, the better. In fact, uh, just a little note, I, I remember seeing uh, John McCain on Fox News asked about what he thought about Jeb Bush uh, running for president. And he said, yeah, he's a good man, and I'll, I'll support him, on, unless, of course, Lindsey Graham runs, and then my full support would be behind him. <laughs> and I didn't even know that was a possibility of him <laughs> running for president, and I wanted to bang my head against the seat in front of me on the airport that I was watching the, <laughs> him talk on, but uh, that was horrible. But I don't think he would ever get elected. But as far as optimism, I would say that the fact that I'm on a podcast talking about liberty kind of shows – the movement is growing. It's just so much easier to kind of spread the word with, and it's not exactly new, but I just think the uh, format, the media, um, it's getting a lot easier for the liberty to 
for the good word to be spread. So, yeah, I mean, the, the internet's not new, but it's being used like never before in the last few years. It's, been, it's gone from just a weird thing that people kind of use on the side to where people get all their information. I think that's that's the big difference over the last maybe four or five years. Yeah, I, and, I don't I don't look at uh, any newspapers hardly anymore, and yeah. barely watch any. You know, I, I wouldn't. I literally don't even know where you get newspapers. I guess the store, the supermarket. I, there's no newsstands anymore. I there are. I had to go with one today oh, as all a right. publicist. There you go. There is a newsstand. What do yeah, I know? They're usually in the trash at airports, but other than that, I don't know where. <laughs> but so I, I go on the internet and find, you know, not the mainstream media to to find out what's really happening. And I think it's much better now than it was even a year ago, and it'll keep getting better. So for that reason, uh, I think there's room for optimism in that regards. Well, when there's room for optimism in Rico's thoughts, then that is just basically huge. That's basically a. That's a nice. Twenty fourteen. Rico's kid's gonna live another year. You try to be a pessimist, but it didn't work out. Because there you go, Odie. Come on, give me some thoughts. First off, I I muted. I unmuted. Can you guys hear me still? No. What? Hello, Odie. Are you there? Yeah. No, we got you. Well, now I don't. Well, now we don't. (laughs) We had you before. You're my attempts to mess with you. We tell John Dover to mute any of the yins. Uh, You know what? The the bad thing about these is they don't have the alcohol percentage on here. Is it a dark beer? You're left to guess. Well, I mean, is it dark? Does it taste? It's relatively dark. It's got a you know a a heavy uh, heavy amber tint to it. I don't know. It's it's got a. If it says Belgian, it's probably like eight nine percent. You're probably gonna. It's not. It's not Belgian. It's. it's, uh, I don't know. It's got the spices though, so the spices probably knock it over. The, the spices. spices. <laughs> You're like, but Dune. anyway, it's like a plug for Dune. <laughs> to get to get back to, uh, <laughs> we're looking forward to the next year, right? Sorry, I'm way off track. Here. No, we're looking back on this year. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, 2014. I mean, I, one thing that was interesting that I noticed, kind of looking back through the the notes this week, or looking back through the list of people kind of doing a little bit of research. I know you guys don't do research, but I did a little bit of research no, on some of the, the guys we were going to talk about. And I mean, it was just, it was interesting that, you know, since we've been doing this, you know, morning roar, you know, every, Monday through Friday, every week. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Since, Good job. Like that. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for jumping in there. Since since February, I mean, it's it's really, I mean, it, uh, I, I feel like you know, I feel like I'm, I'm more on top of things and um, just just have a better grasp on the political cycle. And I'm excited. Yeah, I, I can't talk about the past anymore. I'm excited, looking forward to 2015 when a lot of these characters, a lot of these cronies, a lot of these neoconservatives jump in the mix, as uh, others alluded to, with the change in um, change in media. With podcasting growing, I, I think uh, one thing that we're going to see is podcasting um, taking over and maybe eventually eliminating uh, talk radio, taking yeah. that, taking that uh, down. market share. You know, for a long you're time. Going down, Rush. That ain't never going to happen. I think you're going to say take down Margaret show for some reason. I well, really hopefully we can do it all at once. <laughs> for a long time, the liberals have... Tried to legislate talk radio away, but it's going to be Mark Claire and the Lions of Liberty podcast that finally puts the nail on the coffin. We're going to try to legislate podcasting away then. This is going to shift their focus. We'll fight that battle. Yeah. All all right. Well, it sounds like it's been a pretty good year because even Rico had had to end up having a positive spin on things even after he tried to be negative. So, yeah, he hates life. I think it's been a pretty good year myself. You know, um, yeah, Liberty rules. I mean, 
<laughs> to think even a couple years ago when we didn't even have a website, we were just sending emails back and forth and kind of, you know, bitching about all the things going wrong in politics. And, you know, people say, oh, you want to cry and bitch about anything. You don't want to do anything about it. Well, I think we're doing something about it. We, we're talking to thousands and thousands of people every single week. And, you know, hopefully we're just spreading that conversation. Hopefully people can send this podcast to their friends and family and make a little holiday conversation. I know I know personally, and maybe it's just because I'm Jewish, but my family would always sit around listening to podcasts uh, over the holidays. So <laughs> yep, I'm, I'm hoping... That, that was the new tradition of... Middle again, I'm not, I'm not a Christian. I, maybe Christmas yeah. is different. <laughs> no, no, can we talk right. about Hanukkah Harry? Or no, is that, no, is that he's, a real thing? he's off the record. Oh. <laughs> You're not supposed to know about Hanukkah Harry. All right, folks. Well, from me... From the Lions of Liberty, from Hanukkah Harry, are you guys going to join in with me on this? It's always a kind of a rough road going, but it's our last one in 2014. We got to do this right. So when I tell you to live long, I hope you're going to know how to respond because, guys, it's been a good year. 2014's been great. Thank you all for listening to the show all year. Until next year, you only got a week where I just need you to go ahead and live long. Live long. Live free. And live free. Live long and live long, live free. Free. Head of editing and mastery, John Goblin.